This is Season 3 of The Score, the Team Roping Journal's regular podcast where the team roping world talks. We've told the stories of some of the greatest cowboys, horses, and moments in the sport, and we're so far from done. In 2020, we'll bring you more of what you've come to expect, like interviews with the best cowboys and cowgirls we know, and we'll dive even deeper into subjects you care about. Look for more audio editions of the Team Roping Journal stories you might have missed in print, and learn about the great horses shaping the sport and great challenges facing our industry. All this and more in 2020. I'm Chelsea Schaefer. Kansas native Jake Long has qualified for nine Wrangler National Finals rodeos, won two Ram National Circuit Finals titles, and nearly every major jackpot in the sport. Not to mention, he's been on some of the greatest horses in the history of team roping, including three-time PRCA AQHA Horse of the Year, Colonel. In this very odd rodeo season, marked by cancellations and postponements, Long sits fifth in the PRCA's world standings with $41,158 won here in July, and he's healing for three-time world champion Clay Tryon, the third Tryon brother that he's roped behind. This interview is a rare, candid opportunity with Long, who doesn't always say too much. In it, it's presented by Cactus Ropes. Jake and I talk about his journey over the last few decades that's transformed him into one of the sport's greats, and a horseman at that. Before we get started with today's episode, we've got to thank our sponsors at Cactus Ropes. Check them out at cactusropes.com and stand by for the middle of this episode where we take a commercial break and I will tell you more about the future. How are you? Yes, How's everything? I'm doing well. Good. It's uh, it's good. I can get to hang out a lot, play a lot of golf, and not not too many complaints up here. <laughs> Does Clay try and golf too? Uh, he likes to. Stacy Little uh, is a friend of his that lives in Denver, and he's got like a chipping green in his backyard, mm-hmm. and I think he likes to golf on that. But <laughs> I haven't actually seen his skills on a big course yet. Gotcha. So are you golfing by your lonesome up there in Montana or you've got the whole Tryon family to choose from as far as golf? Uh, uh, Travis Tryon, he, he plays a lot. I guess he's been playing a whole lot. Uh, I guess yeah. he pretty much just plays golf and puts on open. So, uh, and then another friend of ours, uh, up here, Alan Maccabee and his, his son, Bryce, uh, they've been playing with this bunch too. And, I am by far the worst one, so it's been fun to get a butt whooping every day. So <laughs> horses are gorgeous up there, though. It is. There's a really. Uh, we've been playing at that Pride Creek right there in Huntley, and it's it's an awesome course, and it's actually pretty reasonably priced for as nice as it is too. So it's not too bad, you know, money wise. When you get stuck for a few days, you're not dropping a ton. Yeah. Now I was looking at the standings just now, and you've got forty one thousand one. Usually having 41,001 isn't like this glamorous number, but right now, how are you feeling about being fifth in the world and having 41,001? I feel really fortunate because, you know, especially with this year and everything going on, um, you know, if you're behind, you're going to have to do some stuff to at least make sure you're in position to make the finals if they end up having one. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, we're all obviously just guessing because this is our first time around with everything going on, but 
I feel like, you know, somewhere around 40, 45, probably he's going to end up making it to the top 15. So, you know, it, it's nice to, even if I'm wrong, it's nice to feel like I'm kind of safe <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if the number sure. ends up being wrong, but I just, uh, we're trying to rodeo a little more economically correct, I guess, right now. We're, uh, mm-hmm. like I said, we want to be in position to make the finals if it, if it does happen. Um, but we're trying to, not do a lot of flying or unnecessary trips and and you know i know know a lot of guys are having to run around to you know fifteen hundred dollar added rodeos mainly just because that's the only thing going on and you know we're trying to just kind of do things a little smarter like i said where we can kind of make money along the way and that way if they don't end up having it then well at least we made some money along the way and we didn't just chase the point side of it as much yeah yeah how stressful as far as not as so much uncertainty and as far as, you know, not knowing if you're going to have a chance at an NFR, how has that been for you personally? You know, I think mentally it makes it hard because, you know, I think most of us realistically are looking at it thinking they're probably not going to have an NFR in Vegas at least. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think mentally that makes it harder to get up for going to the rodeos. Cause that's why, I mean, I know for me and Clay, that's the only reason we mainly rodeo is, you know, you want to make the NFR and, and chase a gold buckle. So if, if we're out here just going to rodeos to go to rodeos and it's kind of like, I mean, like I said, we're, we're trying to do good and do our best and, and make money, but it does take a little bit of the thrill away of like, you know, chasing the standings or, or trying to get in a good spot to get for going into Vegas. And so uh, it's definitely been a lot different atmosphere out here. And, and I think, you know, like I said, I, I think a lot of guys are feeling that same thing where it's, you don't just deep down, you don't know for sure what you're out here for as far as like what the end result is. If we're just mm-hmm. going to rodeos to go to them or, you know, what our, what our, uh, I guess our goal or our um, reward's going to be at the end of it. So what will success say, say there's not an NFR if, if you've thought about that so far, like what will success look like for you this year? Huh. I mean, I guess it just comes down to making money. I don't really have a set number in my head, but, um, you know, I'd like to be able to put everything together at the end of the day and, and know that we were at least, you know, uh, making money, making profit, um, sure. more the better, I guess. So I, I guess it's that simple. I mean, there's really, cause there's no other really goal. I mean, as mm-hmm. far as, I, I mean, I guess it would still be to try to kind of be number one, just that way you're out winning everybody. Um, mm-hmm you know, we're behind quite a ways because of the guys that won the American. It's going to make it really hard to, with not very many big chances, it's going to make Mm -hmm. it really difficult to catch up to those guys. But, um, you know, like you said, being in the top five right now, like I feel like personally that we are roping good and that we're, we're having success right now. So I guess it just comes down to, I would like to feel like I'm doing my job day in and day out and, and then just make money. Yeah. And then you're, I don't want to say you're seasoning a horse, but you kind of are. You've got a, a younger horse that's replacing or mm. or stepping in for Colonel. Tell me about that horse. Yeah. Uh, his name's CJ. I bought him off of Trevor Kirkenslager uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was a horse I kind of, he kind of caught my eye when Trevor had him. And then I just, somebody kind of in passing by mentioned that Trevor might be willing to sell him. And I think I got to him as fast as I could. Uh, <laughs> like I felt like it was a, a known secret now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I kind of, I kind of rushed him and, and uh, we talked about it and uh, I was able to buy him and he, he's just, 
you know, he's been such a blessing. I mean, number one, his personality is, is so cool. Um, my youngest daughter, Hazley, yeah, she's a little timid riding still right now. And mm-hmm. that's the only horse that she'll ride. And I can go run the hardest running steers in the world on him as many as I want to run and then throw her on him and he won't get out of a trot. I mean, he's just a, he's just got a really, really cool personality. And I've been riding him at a bunch of jackpots really about the last year and a half. And I've had a ton of success on him. Um, but obviously with having Colonel, it was, you know, it was a hard, uh, hard job to get in there and, and get first string. Um, Colonel's kind of seemed like he's been a little bit sore here lately. And like I said, I just had been doing so good on the road that I thought, you know what, I'm going to leave Colonel home, let him rest up, let him get healthy. And, uh, we'll take this Roan and, and my backup horse Ironman that I've had for a few years now. And, uh, and he's, to his credit was completely flawless over the fourth. I mean, we, we had some really tough steers and Prescott was probably the place I was the most proud of him because he's a little skittish. If there's a rope or something on the ground, he'll kind of really look at it. And I went to speed Williams the day before I left and uh, I was like, Hey, I need to barrier break him. And he's like, where are you going? I was like, Prescott. He's like, I don't think you can barrier break one the day before you leave. I'm like, well, this is the one I'm riding. So we're going to do the best we can. <laughs> and, uh, about the third time through the barrier, it wrapped around his legs, and he is not a fan of stuff getting around his legs. So then I'm like, man, we're completely toast. And uh, thankfully, old Philip Sheridan, he kind of helped me. We kind of got him lined out best we could. And he didn't just run through the barrier, but, uh, you know, he did He did pretty well. And, and the good thing about him, even though he made us pretty late by kind of looking at it, he's got quite a bit of gas to him and, and gathered him pretty good. So we were able to get the wind down there. So it was nice. That's awesome. And that horse, I mean, if you had to go to the NFR tomorrow, would you ride him? Would you ride Iron Man or would you pull Colonel out? Hey, if round one was tomorrow, I'd be on, I'd be on CJ. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, Hey, like I said, he's just stepped up and he just does everything good. He really does. Like, you know, I think he can still get a little bit better. He's just seven. Um, but he's got plenty of gas. He's got plenty of cow to him. He's, he's steady at the horn. Um, when I first bought him, he was, it was like he was angry at the cow every time. He was the probably the most violent horse I'd ever rode as far as like taking the hit. But mm-hmm. I kind of softened him up a little bit there, but he just, he's just solid. He just does everything really, really good. And, and like I said, he gives you confidence because he just eases around. Nothing really gets him too rattled. And, and it's just a, I guess it's a fun experience when you're on him. Did you see all that in him when you saw him when Trevor was riding him? I did. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, which, uh, you know, I think there's there's just some guys in this world, like, and I think Trevor is one of those that, like, pretty much anything he gets on, he's going to make look pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So um, you don't want to get too excited about just because they look cool when he's on them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because he he does ride so well. But I got on him, and he was exactly what I thought he would be. I mean, he just was super simple, and and I've juiced him up a little bit lately. But when I first got him, whatever pace that steer went was the pace he went. If the steer walked out of the chute, he would walk out of the box. If the steer kind of took off, I mean, he was just, you know, they just did a super great job with him of getting him trained and getting him patterned and and really doing his job good. So. Um, and I and I told Trevor on the attitude deal. I said, "Man, I don't know if that was something you did or if that just happened to be him. But if he turns out to be the worst heel horse I've ever bought in my life, he's worth every penny just because of his attitude and how well he takes care of my girls on the ground." 
Absolutely. That's absolutely one of the most critical things as we get older. And I used to put up with a lot of Bronx and I'm sure you put up with some stuff too. Like now that we have kids, it's so important for them to be safe around the horses and I've given up. Yeah. It's so, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's almost impossible for that not to be one of the first things you think about. Not only do they need to work good and do their job, but they got to be, you know, if one of my little girls walk behind them and they're not paying attention, I don't want them to kick their head off, you know, like, and no matter how good they are, if there's something like that, well, then it's probably not a horse that I can own just because I can't trust it around my kids. So, mm-hmm. Was Colonel good around the kids? Yeah, he's always been super great. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and I've been, I've been really blessed in that, in that area. I don't, I've really, I've really only had one horse that you know was a little bit sketchy i got a horse that we call lieutenant and he's just scared of things though like he's not he's not mean-spirited or or that he's trying to be upset but Mm -hmm. uh he's the only one that we got to kind of watch but everything else has always been i've been like i said very blessed that not only are they good horses in the arena but man they're just every one of them seem to just be sweethearts out of the arena which i think i think little girls have that effect on them um (laughs) yeah because you know, every one of them watched me a little different than they watched them. Because <laughs> anytime they come out there, they usually got a cookie in hand. And, um, you know, like I said, C- CJ's kind of Hazley's horse. So I got this little bitty brush that's about three inches long. And she told my wife that I had to brush him five times every day I roped and two times if I didn't rope. So he gets he gets pampered quite a bit. That's awesome. <laughs> now, tell me, I was I was reading a story as I was getting ready to call you and I just kind of searched your name on teamropingjournal.com and it's funny how the algorithms work. One of the first stories that came up was from the year that you and Coleman uh, won the straight and you talked about Mm -hmm. how winning it on Mikey meant as much to you as the money and how important Mikey was. Tell me about Mikey and and, because we always talk about Colonel and where he fit in in your career but it's been a while since we've talked about Mikey. Uh, you know, <laughs> actually kind of makes me a tiny bit emotional for some weird reason. Uh, anyway, my kids oh, started good. at all as far mm-hmm. as like, um, he was the first horse that I had that was this caliber of horse. And he was the first one that I ever got to ride that I didn't have to worry about him at all. All I had to do was worry about roping. Mm-hmm. And he obviously means so much to me because um, I had a cousin that passed away and that's, that's why I named him Mikey. My cousin's mm-hmm. name was Mike White and I had actually just bought the horse like two weeks before the, he passed away and I, I couldn't really come up with a name to name him. I mean, we thought and thought and thought, couldn't make, come up with nothing. His name was Chili Dog when I bought him from Cody mm-hmm. Rose and I didn't want to leave it Chili Dog because obviously Richie's famous horse Chili Dog. I just, sure. I didn't want to copy the name. So then when, when Mike passed away, I named him Mikey and I, I think it bothers me a little bit just because I had to put Mikey down earlier this year. Um, and so, yeah, I'm so sorry. I don't really know what was going on. He just, yeah, I just, you know, I got to where, which, you know, he had a good run. He was, I think he was, you know, he's 20 years old, I guess he was a 2000 model, but, uh, mm-hmm. it hit me harder than I thought it would to put him down and I didn't even have to be there to do it. He, he's been at my mom's house for the past, you know, five years, maybe, uh, just mm-hmm. kind of hanging out in the pasture, enjoying life. And he just got to where his teeth were bad and he couldn't eat and stuff. So we had to put him down, but he, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I said, he was, to me, he was the horse that started it all. He, he was great in every setup and he was, he was the smallest horse I think I've ever rode, but he mm-hmm. might've had the biggest heart. And for that little bitty package 
he still might be the fastest horse I've ever rode. I mean, he could run so fast, and he was a little reject cutter, and one of the first rodeos I ever took him to, I'll never forget this, was Amarillo, Texas. Me and Coleman decided to go. We want to kind of see how our run stacks up to the, you know, to the big boys, and so we, we enter Amarillo. And Coleman reaches out there, and he, you know, he gets a one horn or a nose, some kind of illegal head catch. Well, he goes ahead and kind of gets the dally, and he swaps him. Well, when I see the bad head catch, I kind of, you know, I bring my rope down, and, you know, I'm disengaging from the run. Well, when that steer turned, this little horse made a corner that I don't think any other horse could have made. And <laughs> dang near tweaked my groin and made me fall off because I didn't expect him to turn like that. Uh-huh. And and that was pretty much, that was pretty much his career. He never people think I'm making this up. He literally never made a mistake for like five years. And the the very first time I ever had him make a mistake was in Deadwood, South Dakota. Me and Brady trying had a really, really tough steer. Mm-hmm. And this sucker like hit and shot away from me. And he, uh, he kind of missed the corner just a little bit. And I, I leave the arena and I tell a couple of people, I'm like, Oh my gosh, man, I, something's gotta be wrong with him. I don't know. They're like, man, this year was really tough. I'm like, you don't understand. This horse has never, ever mm-hmm. made a mistake never not even remotely got one by him mm-hmm. and it just kind of steadily I think his size and me not being the the best horseman as far as how I roped and I made him take some hits that he probably shouldn't have took over the years and, mm-hmm. um you know it it I think it just wore on him it got him sore and he just wasn't big enough to take it for you know years and years like Colonel was uh Colonel sure. lasted for shoot eight years before he ever even got it remotely sore so uh you know it's without him i don't know if i'm here just because he you know like i said he was the first horse that let me just focus on roping i didn't ever have to worry about where i was gonna be on the cow if i was gonna be able to get to the cow i mean i could do anything and everything i ever needed to do on him he was just he was he was awesome he really was uh did the girls get to ride him at all no no they were too late and he that i he would have been the one he was always really he was just jumpy. He, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't like on the ground. He wasn't going to do nothing stupid, but just if you were riding around, he kind of liked to, you know, he kind of prance and he just had a little more pep to him. He was like a, <laughs> kind of like a chihuahua, right? you know what I mean? Kind of prancing out there. And, uh, the rest of my dogs are kind of, or the rest of my horses have kind of been like fast hounds or something. They just kind of saunter around, but, but that little guy, he liked to get where he was going. So. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, before we go any further into the episode, gotta thank our sponsors at Cactus Ropes. Cactus Ropes has been one of the industry's leading rope producers for the past 25 years, and they're focused on creating specialized products for ropers just beginning to those winning world titles. Be sure to check out their new rope, The Future. It's a four-strand rope with Cactus's core technology. It's a result of a year of testing and creating with the King of the Cowboys, Trevor Brazil. Cactus used manufacturing practices to create perfect balance throughout the rope and an extremely identifiable tip. The future is available at your local Cactus Ropes dealers and online at cactusropes.com now. Well, talking kind of about a little bit further back and in your career, you, I was looking at the PRCA's website and you can correct me if this is wrong. But you won your first Ram National Circuit Finals in 2007. Is that true? Yes, ma'am. And then you won yep, it again. I, uh, you had a 12-year break. And then you won it again this yeah. last year. <laughs> Tell me uh, about sure, yeah. that first Circuit Finals. And 
how like your evolution from 2007 to now what what was what's different well the first one make it with colt Braden, and we won the average at the circuit finals to qualify for it and about mm-hmm. three weeks before i go try a horse um i was going to college in alva oklahoma and i go try a horse uh, and this horse was priced for like forty five hundred dollars we called him mighty mouse and i go try him and I'm I'm so broke back then that like I have to try this horse twice because he costs forty five hundred. I don't know if I can spend it. That's, that was so much money back then to me. <laughs> so so me and Coleman make two trips to buy him, and like I'm like, man, I gotta buy this horse. He feels so good. I just you know, but I'm having to kind of talk myself into it. So I end up buying him. We're riding around. The guy's name's Monty McNair that I bought the horse from, and we're we're driving around town just looking at stuff, looking at pastures and stuff. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of funny. Brett Boatwright bought a horse for me one time. And then like two weeks later, he takes him to the Pocatello and he wins the circuit finals on him. And I was like, well, I hope that works again because I'm headed up there. and I'm probably going to take him. <laughs> so long story short, I guess I take him up there. And that horse, I, I don't know that he was anything special, but he was a, he was a pretty decent little horse. But I won a jackpot on him up there, won the circuit finals. And then that year, me and Coleman were rodeoing. I think I went from there, went to like Corpus Christi. It was a tour rodeo then. Mm-hmm. And uh, we won that rodeo. So I won, I don't know how much money, but I won a lot of money on him there in the first month and a half that I owned him. Um, you paid for him at but least. I, I guess as far as, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he paid for himself <laughs> well over. Uh, but but I guess as far as like a, you know, like an evolution or anything like you know, I remember being there the first time, and you're kind of in awe when you see, you know, Speedy and Rich or Jake and Clay and, and just any of those guys, Britt Buckus. I mean, the the guys that you kind of idolize when you're growing up, well, those guys are all for the generation now, but for my generation, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but but the guys that you just – you're kind of in awe of them, and you, you don't really – it looks hard because it looks so simple for them, and then the runs that you're having to make, you're like, man – I'm having to try so hard and it looks like they're just jackpot and steers and they're beating mm-hmm. me. And so I, I think if you fast forward now, I, you know, just a, obviously a, a confidence in the success that I had in between, you know, when we went to, when me and Clay went over there to Florida last year, um, you know, everything just feels simpler when you're on a roll. I mean, at that time, I think it was impossible for him to break out or miss a steer and, you know, so obviously as a healer, all I have to do is rope two feet. And he was doing everything fast enough, good enough. I didn't have to worry about anything. All I had to do was rope two feet when I knew we were going to win. So uh, it was kind of cool, though, because fast forward all them years later, Colt's younger brother Tanner was there. Mm-hmm. And it, it come down to the final four. Tanner's winning the rodeo when I walk in the box. So it was kind of a cool, like, <laughs> for me personally, I mean, no one, I mean. Sure. Yeah, Tanner and and his folks are there, and I mean we all know it, but like no one else really knows that story as far as like. But it was kind of cool. It was almost a cool full circle deal for me personally, and yeah, and to kind of get to share that with Tanner, and you know to see him start to do good at this level, it it's kind of been a neat full circle for everything that you know I've been through with that family. So yeah, I wondered when I was I was like I said reading your bio on ProRodeo.com, and I saw that you won it with Colt Braden and I don't know Colt but I I wondered if he was related to Tanner so that's cool yep that's his older brother and, and like I said that's uh I've been a many many miles with with uh with Colt in the truck and and then like I said that 
his dad Bucky has helped me a ton, you know, growing up, helped me with my roping and my horsemanship and and uh you know that I have a special bond with that family, I guess. So it's it's been neat to see, you know, like I said, to see Tanner. I remember it's funny getting older because I remember Tanner, when, you know, when he was just a baby, basically. I mean, you know, he's five years old running around. And, and in a way, you always see him that way. Mm-hmm. And you kind of forget that, like, oh, they're getting older, too, as you get older. So mm-hmm. it was almost a shock to me when he started going to the pro radios of, like, Oh, you're you shouldn't even be old enough to be doing this shit. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Um, now your degree is in agricultural business. How how critical was getting that degree to you? Do you have one? Do you did uh, I, I do, yeah. Well, I think at the time it was very critical, honestly, because I I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. Um mm-hmm. I mean obviously I wanted a rodeo, but I didn't have anything factually telling me that this was going to work. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, it was nice to have a backup plan. It was nice to know that if I try this for a few years and it doesn't work, I've got a degree that I can go get a, I can go get a job. And, and I think just having the degree, um, it, it's, it's just kind of the most versatile degree that you can have in the agricultural industry. So, uh, mm-hmm. whether I want to go work at a bank or a gas refinery or, you know, go work on a ranch somewhere like it, it was going to allow me a lot of diversity as far as options of a job. Um, mm-hmm. luckily that it's all worked out and this is what I wanted to do obviously, but it, it was nice that I had a backup plan if this didn't work. So it, at the time it was really huge for me. I know a lot of guys, um, you know, didn't go to college or they didn't really give themselves a backup plan. And, and, and a lot of those guys are, I don't want to call them child prodigies, but the, you, you kind of knew they were going to make it. I wasn't mm-hmm. one of those guys. I wasn't, I mean, really, I'd probably come more out of left field as far as like who the heck is back <laughs> from Kansas. And, um, you know, it was, <laughs> it was, I'm glad it was, but I mean, it, if we're being a hundred percent honest, I, I didn't even know for sure that it would. So, I mean, yeah, it was, it was really huge for me to go ahead and finish that. And, and honestly, I wasn't ready to rodeo before I tried. Um, I was 26 when I made it. I, I was 23 the first year I tried to rodeo full time. Mm-hmm. And my, I, I think I probably always had the talent for it, but I just had too many holes in my game. And I think it would have hurt me in the long run if I would have tried sooner. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually think it was a benefit for me to go to college gain some confidence and, and kind of refine things there. And then by the time I started, I had enough maturity to me in life that um, I think it allowed me to, to kind of learn and be a little more receptive to things. I think when you're younger, you, you tend to be a little more bullheaded, maybe a little more shut off to, to ideas. And the older you get, um, I feel like you get a little more open-minded. You kind of get a little more seasoned, a little more, you know, oh, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat here. So mm-hmm. um, you're a little more willing to listen uh, listen to people and then really soak it in and, and change if you need to. Yeah. Now, speaking of business and your business degree, you have been a partner with, you know, or part of Cactus Ropes for a really long time. And I love your relationship with Barry because you guys are so different. If I were to pick like, it's kind of like you and Coleman. If I were to pick like two people <laughs> that I think of as completely different, it's like you and Coleman and then also you and Barry. Um, how did that relationship start? Cause it, I just think it's a, it's a riot. Well, I think I must just be a good calming agent for both of them. Cause they're both pretty <laughs> high strung and going places in a hurry. Uh, Coleman's usually late, but once he heads that way, he's in a hurry. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but no, it, uh, you know, Barry, 
me and Barry do have a special relationship because, well, in 2007, I had always used cactus. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I pretty much, I, I really can't remember using another. I, I know when I was real young, I used a couple of just off-brand uh, ropes at like some feed stores and stuff. I mean, like brands that no one's ever even heard of just because they were like $12 a rope and I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. But ever since I really recall using ropes and trying to actually do good, cactus mm-hmm. is what I used. And so when it come around to where, you know, maybe I thought I was decent enough that I, you know what I mean? I wanted to ask for some help. I called Alan Block and, and he got in contact with Barry. And it was the funniest thing because from the very first time I've ever talked to Barry, he treated me like family. I mean, mm-hmm. and I was a nobody as nobody could get. Had never won nothing, done nothing, anything. And he treated me like I was Clay O'Brien Cooper. And I thought that was the coolest thing that I've ever, you know what I mean? It was just, mm-hmm. it, I was in awe of how, of how he viewed me as a roper. And so, um, that same year, so I, I get signed on with Cactus. I'm, I'm sponsored by him. So um, that same year, maybe a couple months later, Coleman's kind of flying back and forth doing some college rodeos and stuff and, and going back and forth to school. And I had the rig and we're down there in Texas. And so I talked to Barry and he's like, dude, just come over and stay at my house and hang out with me and the kids and the wife. And so I think for a week and a half or two weeks, um, I kept my horses at the cactus factory. I went, I I mean, I lived in Barry's house with him and his family. And so, you know, Barry essentially, I mean, we are family. Like it's Mm -hmm. not like we're friends and we're buddies and, but deep down, like we are family, like he has taken care of me so good over the years. And I will literally fight somebody. I mean, if I have to, to defend cactus, like they mean that much to me as a company, just because of the, like, not only do I really like their products, but the the people, the people are so awesome there. And it's, like I said, it's truly a family of people. It's, they're running a business, but they care so much about each and every person. And like I said, all the way from the Clay O'Brien Coopers of the world to the, you know, 10 year old kid that you've never even heard of that, that maybe is just swinging his first rope. They care as much about him as they do Claire Brian Cooper. And that to me is a special thing because I, I, I mean, I know I wrote good as far as like, I'm, I'm good at this thing, but I'm mm-hmm. still just a person and we're all just people. And so like, it's, it means a lot to me to be surrounded by good people and, and good hearted people that, that care more about the people than the, the money and the, you know, chasing the awards and all that other stuff. Like they, the, the heart of the company is true and good. And that's what means more to me than anything. Absolutely. And we talked the other day about when you were uh, winning Prescott, we talked about what rope you're using. Tell me what ropes are in your rope bag right now. And what are you pulling out now that you're in North where it's a little warmer or a little cooler up North? What did you use at Prescott? Tell me about what, what you're swapping between. Or if you're well, I got two ropes that I'm carrying with me. Uh, I got uh, if it's warmer out, I don't really have a set degree, but if it if it just feels warmer out, I'll usually use. I've been using a mojo. Um, mm-hmm. I I feel like in the heat, I, I'm so used to using a non-core rope just because, like I said, I've used it for. This is going to be a really bad number to have to say out loud, but I've been using it for probably 20 years, <laughs> and so. <laughs> Uh, maybe actually longer than that, but we're going to stick with that so I don't feel really bad. Um, so I'm so used to a non-core feel, but mm-hmm. if it does get cooler out, um, it's, the core does feel a little bit better to me when it's really cold out. Like I used it at Denver. I use it at the finals. I use it kind of in the wintertime. 
but once the weather turns off nice, um, I, like I said, I just, all the success that I've had in my life has been with a non-core cactus and it's, it's hard for my brain to tell me that that rope ain't good enough for me to use. And so that's just the one that I'm comfortable with. Um, mm -hmm. All the new technology that they've introduced, all the, you know, with the new core and all the, the stuff that they've been working on. I think the future feels really good. Um, I have a hard time seeing blue for some reason when I throw it down there. So mm -hmm. um, I, I use a thriller if I'm going to use a core, uh, but I do think the future actually feels really good. So uh, that's the two ropes I have with me though. And it's, it's not even really a set deal. I might use, I mean, I might use one one day and one the very next day. It, it, it there's really no full set plan on it of like, you know, these months I'm going to use this rope. I like to have both because you know, especially when you get up your rodeo and like, I don't know how this happened, but I went to Mobridge, South Dakota the other day. It was 92 degrees outside. I have no idea how I thought it was supposed to be cool <laughs> in South Dakota. <laughs> but then earlier that morning, I'm in Kildare, North Dakota, and it's cool. So I use mm -hmm. a core that morning. And then that evening, I use a, I use a mojo just because mm -hmm. of the way the weather kind of changed a little bit. So. Gotcha. That's awesome. Well, Jake, Thank you so much for your time. I sure appreciate it. And I absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me on. <laughs> I'm glad we finally got to do this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will. Yes, um, ma'am. Thanks for having soon me. And hopefully see you somewhere. It's so sad. This time of year, I would say see you at Cheyenne, but um, see you somewhere at a jackpot. Yes, ma'am. Hopefully <laughs> it's, uh, it is a weird time. So thank <laughs> you, though. Thanks, Jake. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you so much, Jake, for your time today. I know you guys are in between rodeos, just waiting for the next one. And good luck to everybody that's out there on the road. And thank you again to Cactus Ropes, Barry Berg, Mike Pollan, Katie Rice, the whole crew at Cactus for supporting what we do here at The Score and the Team Roping Journal. We couldn't appreciate y'all anymore.